You're listening to the YCA Podcast. This is a podcast created for coaches by the coaches. The Young Coaches Association is proud to present exclusive content from coaches, young and old, all across the state of South Carolina. The YCA Podcast was created to provide a platform where coaches can share their own thoughts and insights to others with the hopes of building a brand and growing the profession. In more simple terms, these are ball coaches just sitting around talking ball. Thanks for listening to the YCA Podcast. We hope you enjoy. And welcome to today's edition of the YCA Podcast. I'm your host today, Cam Willis, and we are recording this episode from the Cobra Den. You may not know it, but it's also home of the best non-traditional Thanksgiving dinner in the Lowcountry. Not trash food. We are excited to bring you some exclusive content today as we are joined by Cane Bay High School's Athletic Director, Brian Sweeney. We've got a lot of good stuff on tap for you today, so it's time. Let's spot the ball. All right. Welcome to the opening kick of today's episode. This is part three of being an assistant, and we have a special guest with us today. Uh, real quick, I'm Cam Willis. I'm your host. I got my co-hosts over here, Coach Stephen Davis and Coach Brett Fields. What's up, guys? G-Rap is not power. What's <laughs> up, so Coach Willis? How you doing? I'm good, man. Uh, excited to be here. Uh, this is our part three, something we've kind of put together. Uh, excited to have a special guest with us today. And our special guest, as I said in the previous segment, was uh, is Coach uh, Brian Sweeney. He's the athletic director at Cane Bay High School. Coach Sweeney, what's up? How are y'all doing, guys? Glad to be here. It's good, man. We're glad to have you. So, Coach Sweeney, you're an athletic director now. Um, you've coached pretty much everywhere in the low country. Just kind of give our, our listeners a little background about yourself. All right. Well, this is my third year as the athletic director at Cane Bay. I'm also an assistant principal there. In Berkeley County, most of our ADs serve dual roles. So, you know, I have to dabble in both. Uh, this is my 30th year in Berkeley County School District. Uh, I started off teaching Berkeley Middle School, but coaching at Stratford under Ray Stackley. I coached uh, on the defensive side of the ball there at the JV level, and then we started B teams back then. And then I came to Berkeley, coached under Coach Brown for probably 10 years on both sides of the ball, started off on defense and then switched over to offense and then back to defense. Um, and then I went strictly into admin. So I took a break from coaching football for a while, was an administrator at Hanahan High School, um, went to St. Stephen Middle, but also went back to coaching football at Berkeley under Coach Randy Robinson. And for the last three years, I've served as the AD and assistant principal at Cambia High School. Yeah, and so just a little background, too. Um, I've had a couple of years' experience coaching with Coach Sweeney at um, Berkeley as as well as Coach Fields. Yep. So that's kind of where I, I met Coach Sweeney and, and got to know him a little bit. And like you just mentioned, a lot of really good head coaches that you played for, and that's one of the reasons why we were excited to get you on here, just because you've played for some really good head coaches, you've been a lot of different places, and you've done a lot of different stuff. So um, excited about having you here. Appreciate it. Enjoy. I'm looking forward to it. Yep. Coach Fields, Coach Davis, anything before we move on to our next segment? Um, Coach Sweeney's kind of a little bit of a mentor for all of us as well. Um, Absolutely. Definitely somebody that we can call up or text when we have any kind of situation, whether we're working with him or for him or not. And he can definitely give us some advice and lead us in the right direction. Coach Davis? All right, so we're going to get into some questions here for Coach Sweeney specifically so that he can drop some knowledge on us and – and, and share some of his insights in, in his career that he's had so far. So we're going to move on to our first drive. All right, welcome back. This is the first drive. 
uh, first kind of opening segment for us here in the being an assistant part three episode. Let me go ahead and go back and correct myself. In the last segment, I said that Coach Sweeney had played for a lot of good coaches, but he is actually coached for those coaches. I was let known by my co-host over here that I made a little mistake. So nobody's perfect or nobody's nerfect, as Pam would say in the office. Um, but anyway, moving on to the first drive of how this is going to work. We're just going to ha have a couple of questions for Coach Sweeney. And, you know, he can answer it. And myself, Coach Fields, Coach Davis kind of, you know, ask some questions within the questions if we need to. And we'll kind of get started there. Got anything, guys, before we go? Let's get it started. This is scripted, by the way, for yeah, the OCs out there. It's scripted, yeah. We do script stuff sometimes. Maybe they'll run something that they normally don't. It'll mess everything up. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if we can stump them. Yeah. All right, here we go. First drive, uh, the first question for you, Coach Sweeney. Uh, what are some of the main differences between being an assistant coach when you came into the profession as compared to now in 2022? Well, um, there's a lot of differences. Uh, you know, game of football has changed, obviously. Um, presently, you know, when you talk about successful football programs and successful coaches, Culture is a word that gets thrown around a bunch. 30 years ago when I first started coaching at Stratford, that word was only discussed in world geography. Nobody talked about culture. Yeah. So, you know, culture is a big thing that's a part of um, programs now. Uh, in order, you know, all the successful college programs, you know, you hear the commentators on ESPN talk about how they had to change the culture. Um, so culture is a big part of it. Uh, the time commitment is, is huge. Technology obviously has made things easier with film and, and huddle that type of stuff, but it's still uh, preparing for your opponent. It's still getting your teams ready. It's still uh, looking after young people, doing what's best for them. That part of the that part of the profession hasn't changed. Um, obviously, uh, offenses now are a lot more diverse than they were in the past. Um, you know, defenses, you know, still diverse. Um, you know, the athletes are better athletes now because we put more of an emphasis on conditioning, nutrition, you know, at all levels, even down at the high school level. Um, you know, the off season uh, is, is bigger now. You've got more time to, to work with your kids. You know, all your successful programs have um, sports-specific classes, not just for football, but for baseball, softball, basketball in the schools. That stuff didn't go on back there 30 years ago. You know, you only got to see the kids after school, two-a-days during the summer, you know, when the season started. And that was it. But now, you know, the access, the relationships with the kids are built uh, with a lot of time outside of what used to be the season, you know, 30, you know, when I started 30 years ago. Yeah. So would you, if you could do it all over again and you were starting at 2022, would you coach again? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, That's the biggest part of the job that I have now that I miss the most is yeah. the actual coaching, you know, actual prep, actual meeting on the weekends, actual breaking down film. I mean, I get to look at film, uh, and I look at all of it because I'm still interested in it. But, um, yeah, he I definitely critiques would. me on how my defensive line plays every <laughs> week. <by the> way. <laughs> so. That's another episode. Well, also, the <laughs> accessibility that players have to coaches now is so much different than I'm sure it was 20 years ago. I mean, I remember even when, when I was playing, I didn't have my coach's phone number. I didn't know that I could get in touch with them almost 24-7. I mean, these kids have full access to assistant coaches now almost. And I'm sure it was not like that. Yeah, I, I remember years ago we had a, a game time that had to change at Stratford High School. And we had a phone list, you know, and we had to call the kids at their home and they had to be home. 
now you can just send a group message. Hey, we, you know, we're playing at such and such practice times yeah. change, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that, that definitely does make it easier. Well, I even remember when I first started, when I was with coach farmer at Chapman, I got in a truck with him one night and we went and traded film. Like you, you don't, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. you don't even do that no more. Yeah, and that's VHS like, tapes <laughs> taped together with pre-wrap and athletic tape and you go hand off six tapes, a yeah, wide that's... and tight for the last three games and meet at a gas station. The gas station at uh, Roundo was the, the most popular. If we were trading with anybody from the Buford area, yeah, Walterboro, uh, you had set places and there would be multiple coaches that would show up yeah. and, and trade film. But you remember that trip, though. Like, Oh, know, absolutely. That's one of the things you don't get now. You don't get to hop in the truck and go take that road trip and talk about it and get there. And Yeah, and 30 years ago, playoff brackets, you know, we, people, you, everybody knew based on who you were winning where everybody was going to be seated. Nobody knew because they they didn't have access to all the statewide scores. Yeah. So everybody would meet at the high school league, all the coaches, and they wow. present the bracket, and you walk over and trade with Burns if you're playing Burns in the first round. Wow. You trade that's, with that's, that's pretty neat. And, uh, I mean, everybody would meet at the at, at the league office for the first round, and that's man. how the, that's how it played out. There's no logging cool. into the high school league website because yeah, it wasn't there. In the bracket. Yeah, yeah. Looking at the bracket. That's wild. Uh, so real quick before we go to this next question. Are there any similarities? Like, what's still the same? Um, kind of the kids that you were saying about, right? Taking I mean, care of kids. Taking care of kids is still the same. Uh, the problems that kids deal with now is a lot bigger than the past. You know, you throw in the pandemic and the social side that, that kids are dealing with. I mean, kids went, you know, especially this year's varsity players are juniors and seniors. You know, three years ago, they, they we quit coming to school, quit sports, shut it all down left them at home, and that gap that they weren't around their friends, that gap that they weren't around their teammates has been something that we've had to deal with. Um, so that part is different. Also, you know, I, I mentioned the problems, the the social networking problems that you got to deal with, um, you know, just the – and the expectations in school have, have risen, you know, um, academically than they were in the past. Um, you know, the things that are still the same is coaching is still – Preparing, repping, getting the kids excited, getting yeah. the, getting the community excited. That's still exciting. Friday nights are still the same. The lights are still the same. The bands are still the same. The cheerleaders are still the same. You know, the fans coming still the same. Um, the preparation, all that is still the same. Um, but uh, you know, th that that's what I like about it still being the same. Yeah, I mean, it's it's neat to just talk to someone who has coached back when – I mean, I don't remember any – like that. just a story about you talking about everybody meeting. I had no idea about that. Like, I mean, you know, it's just – it's it's fun to, like, know about some of the stuff in the and, past. And I felt privileged because I, I was going with – Scott Ruggles was the coach that was in charge of film, and uh, I worked directly under him. And, I, I mean, me and him knew – we would be the first ones to know for sure who was playing who. Yeah. Because we were the first ones up there. They handed out a piece of paper that had the bracket – and you know we knew if we won this game we're going to play the you know the winner of the next the the, the same round and yeah that's awesome um yeah so we'll get into this next question uh obviously you're an athletic director now you've been an assistant coach you've, you've worked your way up so just kind of why we wanted to get you on here as well is just to kind of get everybody an idea of what your responsibilities are i know you don't hire assistants a lot you have a lot of input but so the question is is what is your role in hiring assistant coaches as an athletic director? I, I really don't have, I don't hire assistant coaches um, for the simple reason. Um, 
if I hire, if I tell Coach Zier is our head coach at Cane Bay, does an outstanding job, has been there a long time, is the probably the hardest working person at that school, bar none. I don't think anybody there would would uh, question that. But if I tell him that this is your offensive coordinator and this is your defensive coordinator, and they do a poor job, how can we? How how can there be any accountability? So what I do is match up, and I do sit in on the interviews, and I explain to the coaches. You know, we have volunteer coaches as well, and, and we interview them, and we make you know we make sure that they understand our expectations, what we uh, what our program is about, things that we don't tolerate, and uh, if they are a good fit, then Coach Zare gives the green light. I, I've done a lot of just arranging the interview. Say, hey, he's just interested in coming to Cane Bay. You want to sit down with them. So as the AD, I do not hire any assistant coaches, but I certainly look for them and match them up. You know, being the AD, uh, you know, it's not just football. It's it's all the sports. You know, I just hired a soccer coach, and we're looking for an assistant coach. So all I do is I connect them. The head coach interviews them, and, uh, you know, and we make sure that they fit the type of coach that we want in our program. Coach you want Fields? me to get into what that is like? Well, I mean, I just want to reiterate, and that's kind of why uh, we, when we were putting these questions together, I put this question on just because I knew Brian's process and the whole deal. So I want people to understand that the way he does things is not how everybody does it, but the way he does things to me is such a great way to do it because you can't just tell your head coach, these are your assistant coaches. This is what you got to do. I mean, maybe if you're a head coach and you're coming into a new role and you got to keep some of these guys, that's completely different. That's not what we're talking about right now. We're just trying to show you that the athletic director may check all the boxes and check off on everything, but he gives his head coaches some leeway to who to hire. Coach I mean, Sweeney just wants to make sure they fit the role. That's correct. For example, um, we hired a basketball coach hired who I think he won a region championship his first year. And I said, first, your first step is to hire your staff. And I want to meet each of them and talk to them and make sure they understand what our expectations are. Um, you know, uh, our expectations are work ethic, character. I don't care how much you know about basketball or football, work ethic and character. Uh, we have volunteer coaches and a volunteer coach is not somebody who shows up on Friday night. If he's a volunteer football coach, we tell them, you know, our volunteer expectations are the same as with our regular, you know, you can't coach on Friday night. Friday night is executing a game plan. Right. Friday night is not coaching. Coaching happens Monday through Thursday. And if those coaches aren't there, they just can't be a part of, you know, they can't, you know, be a part of our program. Uh, and there's some volunteer coaches. I mean, I have one that's a fire chief and we work around his ship work, but he's not a varsity coach. He works with the lower programs and, um, and does an excellent job, but he understands our expectations. Uh, you know, there's a lot of guys out there that want to coach. There's a lot of guys out there that want to wear the shirt on Friday night yep. and jump up and down on the sidelines, but they don't even know the kids' names. They just want to be up. They want to relive their glory days and when they played, you know, and, but they don't want to buy into what it takes to be a, a, a good football coach. If we're just talking football, they just want to show up and be raw, raw guys. And we, we don't, we don't need raw, raw guys yeah. on the sidelines. We need coaches that can coach kids and, you know, make adjustments on Friday night and execute a game plan that they put together. I think one of the key things here that, speaks out to me with coach Sweeney. If you're a young coach and you're looking for a program to play in, he really laid out the communication right there. You want an AD that's going to, and a coach that's going to communicate to you up front, their expectations, what they're looking for. So you can go in there and you can, you can meet all those standards. If, 
if Coach Sweeney just goes in there and sits in an interview and the head coach talks to this guy and he hires this guy and then it blows up in everybody's face, it's not that head coach, it's not just the head coach that it blows up on. It's that athletic director too. So, you know, you, we talk about coaching coaches. Well, you, you know, you're setting out an expectation and talking to your coach, say, hey, this is what we're looking for. I'm going to let you go get what I'm telling you what we're looking for. Now, is there interviews where you're sitting there like, I don't think this guy's oh, a good fit? Yeah, definitely, definitely. But, you know, going back to the head coach, I hired them to run their program. I hired them, and we have a trusting relationship. So they know my expectations. I understand their expectations for me. So I trust I trust Coach Zare. I trust Coach Todd. I yeah. trust Coach McKean. I trust Coach Hobbs. And that they're going to hire and look for assistance that fit what we need. If I'm sitting there pushing people on them, that's telling them I don't trust them to do their job. You know, so I, I give 100% faith and trust in a coach there to be the head coach, not just of our varsity program, but to be the head over our JV program and B team program. He goes to the games and he corrects coaches. And, um, you know, and, and if and if we're all on the same page and I got to address a coach because I didn't explain my expectations of, you know, there's not a football player that has not been dog cussed by a coach. But, you know, cussing out kids, using profane language at a high regular level is something we don't tolerate. Does that mean it doesn't happen? Yeah, it happens. I've done it. But they know that way that, you know, this volunteer coach shows up and is cussing out kids left and right. Well, that's on me because I didn't sit down and take the time to say, hey, this is something we don't do. You know, um, communication is key. We don't want to surprise parents. Don't want to surprise the kids. Um, and it's, it's that trusting relationship that, that the head coaches have got to have with the AD and the principal. You know, principal is one that also right. trusts me to make sure that I don't hire, you know, terrible coaches that are going to run our programs into the ground. Everybody's got a boss. You got to remember right. that. Yeah. 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 It's good stuff. Um, obviously, this is probably going to be one of the longer episodes because we got a lot of stuff that we can talk about. And, yeah. you know, obviously, if we got a, someone who's had as much experience as Coach Sweeney has had, we want to get as much info as we can and, and, and talk about some stuff here. Um, I think that's probably a good spot to stop the first drive. You guys got anything else before we move on to the next segment? No, let's keep no, it moving. Good. good to go? All right, we're going to move on to our cover three segment here. All right, we have made it to our cover three segment here. Uh, if you've listened to the last couple of episodes, you know we've had a triple option. We've switched it over to the cover three per Coach Field's request. He's a defensive coach. He wants some defensive stuff in there. That's uh, what, right. What a loser, right? Who cares about defense? I'm just kidding. All right, so cover three. We got a couple of questions for Coach Sweeney. He's going to give us his top three or three keys or just threes. Coach Fields likes threes. We're going to get some threes here, okay? All right. All right, so first question, Coach, is what are some of the – I'm sorry, I'm on the wrong one. My bad. What were the? What were three things that you enjoyed about being an assistant coach as compared to a bigger role or title? Um, being a – the relationship with the kids – you know, I have good relationships with a lot of our athletes, but as a position coach, you really get to develop those deep relationships with each of your players. You know, Coach Fields coaches our D-line at Cane Bay, and he's close with all those kids, you know. Uh, being in the role, more of an indirect role, I, I, it's the relationships. Second thing, what was the question again? It was – What are what are three things that you enjoyed about being an assistant coach okay. that you maybe don't okay. get to do now? Um, I mean, calling plays. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> Uh, practicing a play, calling it, and it be executed at a high level. I mean, yeah. that, that's that's something that I don't get to do. Um, the enjoyment, Friday night lights, you know, as an administrator, as an assistant principal, 
the first half of a football game, I'm kind of running around, making sure everything's going smooth. And I really only get to watch the second half of our games. So I really don't get to fully enjoy what a Friday night on the sidelines is a lot is like. So I miss the relationships. I miss calling plays. And I miss, you know, the experiencing Friday night lights on the sideline. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously – I mean, I've never been an administrator before, but I just I've, – I've, I know them and I know that – I see them a lot of times at games and they're like walking around. They're on walkie-talkies and they're doing this and that. And like you said, you don't get to experience the the pageantry, I guess, of, you know, Friday night football or, or you know, like you used to. And it's yeah, – Something it's, special about that. Yeah, it's so it's yeah. got to be different. Um, obviously, uh, Coach Fields, you have something? Can we go to the next question no, here? Let's go ahead. Let's keep All going. right, so good. That was a good answer for the first one. The second question in the cover three – uh, is what are three things that an athletic director or a head coach may not tell you about being an assistant coach? And let me prep this, Coach Winnie. I mean, we want to be kind of – we don't want to bash anybody here, but we want to be real as well. It's partly why we're doing this. We don't want cookie-cutter answers. So, I mean – I mean, these are three things that I've seen. Um, we don't try to practice those three things at, at the school that I'm at, at Cane Bay. Um, I've n I don't have an assistant coach that comes to me at Cane Bay and tell me, I didn't realize it was this much work. They know up front the time constraint, the yeah. days, what day, you know, what, you know, it doesn't just happen Monday through Friday. It happens on the weekend. So our coaches know, you know, so none of them come to say, hey, I'm, I did not know we had to meet on Sunday afternoons. Yeah. You know, so the communication piece is there. Um, the, I mean, really just that, that is the biggest thing. Coaches, you know, making sure that they understand that. Yeah. And, I'm glad you said that because we've talked a lot about the word communication in the first couple episodes. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, all of the best programs they're they're probably going to have one common trait. It's going to be the communication is going to be a plus from top to bottom. Right. So um, that's a, that's a good point there. Um, some coaches also, you know, that that you need to make sure they understand how much they're going to make financially. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean coach, this goes. is something not a lot of people talk yeah. about. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, that's that's, that's huge. Yeah. I don't have a single coach. I know it's happened. You know, I don't have a. You know, when I first started coaching, I coached for Ray Stackley. Um, I mean, Hall of Fame. I learned so much about being a coach, about being a man from Coach Ray Stackley at Stratford. I was young. I was a sponge, soaking it all in. Um, and he told me up front. He said, "Brian, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm splitting a supplement with you and another guy that graduated with me from the Citadel." And we were assistant football coaches on the JV level, and we split a supplement. He says it's $500. I got paid $500 to coach an entire football season. Wow. So I knew it up front. Uh, so we make sure that we communicate with our coaches exactly what the supplement is. We talk, we talk about incentive pay. So there's the time, you know, that ADs and head football coaches need to make sure they tell assistants, but not all of them do. There's the financial part, you yeah. know. And there's, you know, there's the, you know, you don't really tell them, you know, what it's going to be like, you know, uh, there's a lot of coaches I know that have gone into a, a program and they come back with complaints because they didn't realize it was going to be this bad. They didn't realize that the kids were this disrespectful. They didn't realize that these kids were not being held accountable. Yeah. So no organization. Are, yeah, yeah. No organization. Cause there's a lot of head coaches out there that can talk a big game, but they can't put it into practice. Yeah. Or they're going to tell you, Hey, you got to take a couple kids home every night. Oh yeah. yeah that's one of the things like, you you might be transportation for some of these kids. Yeah, yeah. we had we had a kid at Stratford, for like at that time, you know, Coach Sackley had been coaching at Stratford as an assistant for one or two years, and the 
mid-80s, and he became the head coach, was there for a long time, had a stellar career. But we had uh, a first-time freshman that lived in the Jedburgh country area. <laughs> and during two-a-days, the summer two-a-days, where they come in the morning, practice once, they go home, they come back, practice again in the afternoon, and it was my job to make sure he got to practice. He was our first freshman to start on a varsity football team at Stratford. His name slips my mind. But I had to go and make sure that I went and got him on time. And if he didn't have his chores done, his parents were not letting them leave. And I've had to slop <laughs> pigs, five-gallon <laughs> buckets of food scraps, slop pigs with him his to make sure. Your chores yes, so he could get to practice. Because I was not going to show up and not have that kid there. Right. And have to explain to Coach Stackley that he had his chores to do. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's – <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and, and, you know, but good coaches understand that. Good coaches know that you got to go beyond beyond those things. And a lot of it is getting kids to and from practice, to and from school sometimes. Um, we, we had several at Berkeley. I'm not going to mention them by name, but there were three brothers that were phenomenal that two of them made it, played some in the NFL, and their home situation was not ideal. And a coach picked them up in the morning, and I took them home every afternoon. And I'm not bashing that. I'm just saying, like, if you're going to get into this and you're passionate about it, you're going to do some extra things. And if you don't like it and you're not passionate about it, you're you're not going to last very long. No, not not at all. There's a lot of coaches that don't last long in the profession because there's, there's parts of the job that they think they don't have to do. That right. they, this, I should, this is not my job, but it is your job. Well, and that's that's the biggest thing, too, is, uh, again, we, we've all coached, so we kind of understand the background of that, but – the people that sit in the stands sometimes don't quite understand. It ain't just walking out to the field and calling the right play and scoring touchdowns right. and stuff. <laughs> That's like a quarter of what coaching is. Like yeah. it maybe even I less than that. Say a quarter. Yeah, I mean, there's there's way more that goes into it than that, and a lot of people don't know that. Like like you said, the people that come in out of college or they you know they played some, they're like, I want to go coach, and then they come in and they got to do laundry and paint fields and stuff. Not and they don't. They're like, oh shoot, I didn't know this was. What this is going to be like? And so. you're, you're going to tutor some guys too. There's going to be guys that need help, and you're going to check grades, and you're going to say, "Well, what's where are you struggling at in this class? Let me see if I can help you. Let me help. Let me read your paper. Let me read the paper you wrote, and see if we can get it right before we send it in. I mean, there's just so, there's such an umbrella of things that you do that maybe if you haven't been around it and you want to be a part of it, that hey, there's some things you're going to do. This is even at the assistant coach level is what we're trying to yes. get people to understand and. I think what people need to understand with this too, the things they're saying, they're kind of something you look back on and maybe laugh later on in your career. But when you're looking to be an assistant, you need to ask your head coach these things. Like you don't need to go into it blind too at the same thing and just be like, yeah, I'll take it, whatever the pay is, I'll take it, whatever the situation is. You need to have your own list that you're comfortable with doing. Some people in 2022 are not comfortable taking kids home and that's okay. Find a place where you don't have to do that then. But don't just blindly go into a job because you want to say you want to be a coach. I mean, this is why we're doing this stuff. I mean, be prepared. Communicate with them during the end of the interview. I mean, when they say, do you have any questions, don't say, no, I'm good, coach. I'm ready to rock and roll. I mean, have your own set of priorities and standards, too. It's part of being a coach. Yeah, yeah whenever you're interviewed and they, the, every teacher we've interviewed – Every coach we've interviewed, the last question is, what questions do you have for us? We don't just ask that just so you could say, right. I'm good. We really want you to ask questions. And, and a lot of times we get asked about the expectations 
Um, you know, uh, what, what am I going to be expected to do? And, and I tell them just about, there's a lot, there's a lot, Yeah. you know, and, yeah. a, and a lot of people in the community don't understand all the things that coaches do, mm-hmm. like painting fields and flipping laundry, you know, and watching game film and spending time away from their wives and kids and girlfriends, you know, watching film to get ready for an opponent. They, people don't understand. They just think it kind of all falls into place. You know, uh, head coaches have to worry about nameplates. If you got names on the back of that cane bay, kids make so many workouts, they get their nameplate. It's a motivational tool. You know, the head coach has got a coordinate. You don't yeah, have think a, about logistics. Yeah, of getting you them. don't have a uniform coordinator. I mean, coach there has to handle that. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. So I'm glad you mentioned that. So we, we had talked about before we wrap this segment up right here, we had talked about our Arby's trips and coach Sweeney was actually, uh, a participant in the Arby's trips there for a little while, talking about the things that coaches do that people don't know about. You know, we're sitting there 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night going to Arby's and, and waiting on laundry to flip and stuff like that. Like after teaching all day and after yes. coaching a game where a lot is expended from you, even as an assistant coach. Yes. So, I mean, again, it's – and like you said, it, it, so I'm glad you threw that little plug in there too about if you're going into an interview and someone asks you if you have any questions – Ask questions. Yeah. Write some stuff down. Have some questions for the whoever's interviewing you. Have questions for them. Uh, and for one, it looks good because you come in prepared. And also, you need to know what you're about to get into. So That's make right. sure you I mean, ask not, questions. Yeah, we're not hiring somebody to paint the house, cut the grass. We're hiring somebody to, you know, to spend six months of the year uh, amongst another group of adults, a group, a group of young young people in a school setting. And the, the commitment is huge. So they need to understand and they've got to have their questions answered because if the buy-in isn't there, it's not going to be successful relationship. I mean, coaches, you know, if, if a coach walks into a coaching situation and it's totally unexpected what, what he's supposed to do, he's not going to be a good coach. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So that's a good uh, end there to the cover three segment. We're going to move into our two minute drill here next. All right, we are back here, and it is now time for the two-minute drill, our one of our favorite segments that we've had so far. Um, so what's going to happen, Coach Sweeney, is I'm going to throw out a A or B. You just say what you – what you whatever your choice is. Sure. You know, it's going to be like heads or tails. Or something. Wristband for no, there's, there's no wristband. Like, no, you just got to – you got to wing it right here. This is a winging it session. So um, we'll start with you. We'll go around to Coach Davis, Coach Fields, and I'll finish myself. We've answered some of these questions, but we wanted you to have a chance to answer some of them as well. So you ready? Sure. All right. Two-minute drill. Here we go, starting now. All right. Hunting or fishing? Hunting. Fishing. Turkey hunting. Fishing. All right. Hat or visor? Visor. Hat. 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 Run or pass? Run. Pass. Pass. Absolutely pass. Hamburger or hot dog? Hamburger. Hot dog. Hot dog. What? Chili dog. Come on. Keep moving. Hamburger. Hamburger. Sorry. All right. Boneless or bone in? Boneless. 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 All right. Zone or man? Uh, Zone. Well, depends. Nope. This is a defensive question. Defensively. Defensively? Yeah. Not you know, what you where's the ball? You, you gotta go. You gotta, gotta go. go. You gotta go. Zone or man? High school right kids? Zone. Man. <laughs> man. Uh, man. Um, shotgun or under center? Uh, nope. Shotgun. There you go. Under center. <laughs> shotgun. Shotgun. Saban or Kiffin? Oh, Saban. Lane train. 
Kiffin. I like the lane. Just, I'm an offensive guy. So, all right, sweet tea or soda? Uh, diet soda. Diet soda. Sweet tea. Sweet tea. Uh, sweet tea. Nope. So I don't know. Yep, sweet tea. All right, mozzarella sticks or loaded fries? Oh, mots mot sticks. Loaded fries. <laughs> mot sticks. The mots, baby. Arby's days. Yeah. All right. Uh, soft or hard tacos? Soft. Soft. Hard. Yeah, soft tacos. You're a weirdo, man. You're <laughs> such a weirdo. Odd or even front? Depends. <laughs> even front. Odd. Odd. Uh, even. Both. Uh, <laughs> all right, here we go. Favorite Thanksgiving food? Oh, crab legs. <laughs> <laughs> I told you it's non-traditional. This is why we got him on. <laughs> That's why I asked Green the question, too. bean casserole. Mac and cheese. Oh, it's got to be mac and cheese for sure. All right. Least favorite Thanksgiving food? Jeez, uh, I mean, I eat it all. Uh, least favorite, least favorite. Come on, man, be honest. Let's go. When Where's you go back, time? when you go back to get seconds, which one do you leave off? Oh, cranberries. Okay, yep, cranberries. Green beans. Yeah, I, I like green beans, but I'm leaving it for the second round. All right. Um, favorite holiday. Um, Christmas. Thanksgiving. My birthday. <laughs> that doesn't count. Thanksgiving. Okay. All right. Last one. Your least favorite holiday. Least favorite holiday. Yeah. Oh, Halloween. <laughs> My man. President's Day. I don't know. <laughs> what? what? I don't know. You can't say that. It's Thanksgiving for me, bro. Uh, you're trash. a loser. Mine's Halloween too. Yeah. So, all right, cool. That was a two minute drill. It was three minutes and some change, but we wanted to make sure everybody got a chance to answer. All right. Moving on to our next segment. All right, we are back. Uh, we just finished our two-minute drill segment. Had a little fun now. Now we get to our air it out segment, which if you've listened to the last couple, you know this is the the meat and taters, right? That's this is right. the this meat, the meat and, taters. meat and taters. All right. So um, again, glad to have Coach Sweeney here. He's the athletic director. He's he's been a lot of different places. We're gonna get some input from from him here, and and we're kind of excited about this segment. So I'll start it out. The first question in the air it out segment. This is part three of the being an assistant episode. When looking to hire an assistant coach, what qualities and traits are you looking for in that assistant coach? All right, so really two, two main ones. Um, you know, my I'm, we're big Clemson fans. My daughter graduated from there. You know, I always use the phrase, I'm looking for the next Dabo Sweeney. Dabo Sweeney didn't come with coordinator experience. He didn't come with uh, a, a pedigree of all this, being all around, you know, the things that he brought were work ethic and character. Um, so those are the two main things that I look for when um, looking for head coaches and head and assistant coaches. Because um, work ethic and character is something that you carry with you. Um, if a coach doesn't have good character, it's going to rise. It's going to rear its ugly head at some point in his career. Um, you know, people that are lazy, they can work hard for a couple of days, but the laziness is always going to come out. So work ethic character the x's and o's um people can learn you know I, I know more about x's and o's year 30 than i did year one but one thing i learned from coach stackley was work ethic and character and i mean who doesn't want somebody that has those two characters i want my daughter's husband to have those I want my son's wife to have those i want the teachers we hired to have those and i certainly want all the coaches at cane bay high school to have those two main characteristics so, so coach real quick and i because i love the answer how easy or how difficult is it to see through 
or to see whether or not someone that you're just interviewing or thinking about hiring, is it easy to see the work ethic and character by just, or is this like a, you check their background? like Well, it's checking background. It's looking at a resume. If I look at a resume and this coach has been only coaching eight years, but has been at six different places that might throw up a red flag. Why didn't he have any staying power out of place? Was it because of the place? Was it because of him? You know, when you're in this, been in this profession long enough, like I, I brought guys that I coach with at Berkeley to Cane Bay. I didn't bring them. I, I partnered them up with the head coach and the things that they brought, I knew were work ethic and character. I knew they weren't lazy. I knew they weren't the type of guys, you know, one sitting at this table. I know he's not the type of guy that's going to say that's not my job. Absolutely. You know, um, if Coach Zara said, hey, Coach Fields, I'm going out of town to go watch my son play. Can you go do the wash? Coach Fields is going to do it and not question it, not not complain about it. Yeah. Um, so those are the things that I look for. Um, coach Stackley uh, and coach, you know, I learned, I, I've worked for two hall of fame coaches and I worked for Randy Robinson, another good, very good football coach. The two hall of fame coaches, I learned two distinct things from, I learned a lot about X's and O's and details from coach Brown. I learned work ethic and character from coach Stackley. But if you have those, those two characteristics, you're going to learn the X's and O's and the details. Right. You know, Coach Brown is very detail oriented, you know, very detail oriented. It's inches to him, you know, that, that oh, need to be for sure that, that need to be, you know, and, and there's there's a lot that comes of that, um, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, that, those are the two main things. Um, you know, we're not I'm not looking for somebody to to necessarily fit a mold that I want. You know, I also want them to bring something that they have themselves to the table. All of our coaches are not the same. They're not the same, but they all have work ethic and character. You know, some are a little bit more enthusiastic, a little, little bit more energetic, and some are a little bit more serious and a little bit more focused. You know, I, I see coaches when something great happens, they jump up and down and they, you know, they're, they're celebrating. And I see other coaches that, that, and there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, I, I'm going to use Brett as an example. I, I see something, a pick or a turnover and, you know, the, the, the mannerisms are the same, you know, it's not, it's not, as, it's not like he expected it, but he's focused on the next play. Absolutely. And then there's other guys that are celebrating with the kids and you need to have, you know, they need to understand that you're very proud of them and happy with them. And both of those are great quality. So I'm not looking for a bunch of raw, raw guys. I'm not looking for a bunch of, you know, um, touchy feely, you know, uh, all the, you know, we're, we're looking for father figures for our young people because, you know, so, you know, that that's that's really breaks it down to those two things. I mean, we've all been on staffs. And one of the first things we look at when new guys come in is, is that guy going to work? Is he going to work? We don't yeah. care where you came from, what you won here, what you won there. Are you going to come in and work? That's the first impression that a new guy coming in on staff is going to give to the rest of the staff. And if you come in and you work and it, it's just it'll mesh a whole lot better than if you come in, oh, well, I don't do that. And then like, well, we don't care that you were this, this, and this. We just know all of a sudden you don't work. And, and there's there's two sides of that. I mean, um, you know, there's some head coaches that have come into South Carolina from North Carolina, won multiple state championships, and that's great. You know, and that is a good thing. You know, that shows if it – because winning a state championship at any sport is hard. Yeah. It takes hard work, sure. it takes talent, yeah. and it takes luck. Yes. You know, a lot of teams that you knew were the best team at the start of the season – we're not the best at the end of the season. I'll use Berkeley. I'll, I'll, I'll put in a, 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 a ad for Berkeley baseball. 
at the beginning of this past baseball season, they were not the best team in the state of South Carolina. At the end of the season, they were. Yeah. And you're not going to outwork a Landy Cox team. And he took the talent that he had and increased it. And they and they had some luck. They had a home run stealing uh, catch. You know, they, they, they so it takes a lot that, to win a state championship. Yeah. So somebody with a state championship pedigree doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate to success. I will hire somebody that's never won a region or state championship and feel very comfortable in hiring them, knowing that they can work towards that. You know, so um, but you, you can't ignore a resume that's got state championships sure, on yeah. it yeah. You know, because it, it took all those things for that to happen. Perfect. Um, yeah, so we'll move in because we got a couple of questions here and Go we'll ahead. move into the next one. Uh, so the next question in the air it out segment here is what were some of the things that you did as an assistant to prepare yourself to be in a higher role? Work hard, work hard, learn from different people. Um, when we go to clinics, actually go to a clinic and, and listen and talk to people. Um, you know, after the season, you know, when we coached together, the three of us, you know, we talked about the good things and the bad things that happened. Um, you know, just reflecting on all everything and just taking things that, I mean, Coaching is a lot of copying. Yeah, I mean, it is a mm -hmm. lot of copying. There's not a defense I've ever seen on the field and go, well, that's new. Yeah, you know, that's that play on offense. That's new. I, you know, we everybody's seen it. You know, you watch college football on Saturday. You know, ninety percent of the teams are running the same offense, the same plays. They execute at a high level and they they recruit very talented kids. So you know that that's that's the big that's the big part of it. You know, um, I've also carried myself i think with impeccable character um you know I, um my faith is very important to me i'm in church i believe church and faith you know whatever religion that somebody's in is a big part of who they are as an adult and i try to carry myself the same way everywhere i go and i've learned that from from like ray i mean i, I go back to ray stackley you know he if my father died uh six and a half years ago and one of the first phone calls I got was from Coach Stackley. Uh, so I, I see him as a second father because of how he carried himself and how he cares about his coaches and his players. And, um, you know, I, I learned so much from him about just how to go about doing things and doing things the right way. And uh, doing things the right way may not translate into a win, but it translates into a successful program, you know, um, uh, Coach Zare has a culture of accountability at Cane Bay. I was standing there in the weight room over the summer, and one of our best players came to the weight room 10 minutes late. Coach Zare said, sorry, I'm not going to say his name. You can come back tomorrow. And he's our best defensive player. And that's a culture of accountability that he's created. So I try to take that, you know, um, because kids want accountability. Um it doesn't feel good when you're they're being held accountable. It's not easy to do. It's not easy to do. Yeah. And it comes with a price. Um, I, I, I've seen coaches do the opposite, coddle superstars, and it just doesn't work out. It doesn't work out. So those are things that I try to take that I've learned as an assistant coach that I think has prepared me to, you know, to be, the, you know, the athletic director at Cambria High School. So, Coach, I'm sure at some point in your career you've probably been frustrated as an assistant coach. So, and we've all probably experienced it. Can you just talk about maybe how you handle being frustrated as an assistant coach and what did you do to deal with that situation? Right, so, frustration as a coach comes from 
when something that you expected to happen doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we had a game earlier this season at Cane Bay where the stats, if, if I just showed you the stats, you would have said we won 35 to nothing. But we ended up losing 6 to 3. Yeah. Played really well, just yeah. didn't finish. Uh, flute play and great coaches, great coaches are able to, to deal, you know, the best coaches don't necessarily win all the time. The best coaches coach kids through when they're not so good. Yeah. You know, because in high school to the max potential, that's it. In high school, you play with what you got, you know, in college, you recruit what you want in high school, you play with what you got. And, um, you know, that's not maybe the case everywhere, but you know, you play with what you got and the best coaches are the ones that can motivate, that can keep the coaching staff upbeat, keep the kids showing up on time, working hard even though they're not experiencing success on the field because, you know, high school success is cycles. It cycles, you know, the winners don't win every year, you know, it cycles. So, you know, that, that's the toughest part, you know, as an assistant coach is dealing with, you know, losing, but still showing up and working hard and trying to get these kids to understand, you know, and, and you tell them that's life. You know, that that's, that's life. And that's exactly what I you was know. about to say. I wasn't going to interrupt you, but you know, you're trying to teach, 15, 16, 17, 18 year old kids, and there's more to football. And you're sitting there thinking, well, I, we want to win. You, know, you want to win. There's more to winning. And you're and by losing, sometimes you learn more about life than you ever do winning. So, so I'm going to give my current head coach a, a, a boost right here. You know, there was a season that Cane Bay went 0 11. The principal in 80 didn't fire him. You know, the next year he was coach of the year. You know, his, his fellow region coaches voted him coach of the year. Because he was able to grind through that season when they didn't have very good players, had some injuries, had some things that didn't go their their way, had some total one-sided games where quit should have been seen, but they never quit. You know, they they lost some games. I think they lost the game 70 to nothing. And the kids didn't quit. The coaches didn't quit. They showed up. He didn't give them the weekend off. Didn't give the coaches a weekend off. They showed up and they kept grinding. And, um, and, and he understands that. And that's, that's so hard for people to, I mean, I get, I get animated about it. It's so hard for people to understand because, you know, the winning is so appreciated because you had to experience losing. You had to experience. And, uh, you know, dealing with adversity is a thing that kids have got to be taught. Because they have, don't have it. They don't have it. They don't. So I have a policy at Cane Bay. It doesn't matter what sport. It doesn't matter what level. If a kid wants to quit, they have to meet with me before they are allowed to quit. I like that. Because I tell them, especially 15, 16, 17-year-olds, if they start a habit of quitting, they're going to start a habit of quitting their jobs, quitting their marriage, quitting a relationship with their children because things are going to get tough. You know, grinding through it, you know, is what makes dealing with, you know, Coach Zaire said, hey, man, I, I went over, you know. So, you know, winning nine games or ten games last year, Winning eight, nine games this year, he's so appreciated because he had experienced what that was like. And a lot of the same coaches that are still on the staff were with him during that time, and and they understand that, you know, losing is a part of it. And teaching kids to lose with character, lose with class. You know, I have a saying on on, um, on every, you know, playbooks now are on computers, huddle. Yeah. <laughs> but back then we had 3D binders. And other helmets too. Yeah, and I would put – One I would, bar across. Yeah, I would put on the top – when you win, say nothing. When you lose, say even less. 
there's no bitching, no complaining, no, yeah. you know, that's it. You yeah. know, walk across that field, shake their hand and, and go back to work. Coach Fields, you're kind of quiet over here, man. You, you're what, just taking it all in. Just letting the man speak. <laughs> and I'm, I'm probably talking too much, but I'm, no, no, this is this is why, this is why you're here, yeah, Coach. This is know, why we got you here. That, that's um, you know, that that's what's prepared me for it. You know, being able to deal with those things. Well, I love the fact that you say a kid has to meet with you they before do. they quit because I I've been a few different places and that hasn't been in place, and so I I think that that's huge. Yeah, I had a football player. Uh, this year quit because of playing time, um, you know, and he quit. because so I said, oh, no, you got to come meet with me. And I told Coach Zara, I said, well, he hadn't quit yet because he hadn't met with me. He ended up quitting. Yeah. But I was able to have those conversations with him. And there were some unrealistic expectations on his part, unrealistic idea of where he thought his role should be. But I made it very clear to him, look, I would not be doing my job if I didn't tell you, and I believe it, that if you start quitting because I'm not playing time, and you're going, to, you're going to quit on your marriage because y'all ran into tough financial times. Or, you know, it's just, you know, it's just it be, everything's a habit. You know, what yeah. you do on the coaching field is a habit in your relationship with your spouse or your girlfriend, is a relationship with your children, your coworkers. You know, if I have a crazy neighbor move in next door, I'm not selling my house. I'm going to work through it. You know, yeah. that that's what we're teaching kids now that, nowadays. And, you know, I, I, I'll bash the college transfer portal. But that's what it is. Kids transfer for one of two reasons. They got caught cheating and they can't tell anybody because a lot of times they're not allowed to stay in the school. But the school can't say Coach Willis got caught cheating on an English paper so he can't stay in school. Yeah. Or they leave because they're not happy with their situation. Mm -hmm. They're not working hard to make their situation better. So they just want to go somewhere else. You know, and I know colleges benefit from that, but I'm not a real big supporter of. Hey, I'm not happy here. Let me go over there. Yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Um, so we'll get to the last question of the air it out, and it's kind of one that you know there are some negative sides about coaching. I'm sure that everyone's experienced. So, and you know, be honest, and and sure. maybe you don't have any uh, oh, I, I do. answers I to do. this one. So, <laughs> yeah. all right. So the last question of the air it out segment here is: What are some things that you don't necessarily love about coaching, and why? Dealing with kids and parents that have unrealistic expectations mm -hmm. um you know at the current situation i'm at every kid is treated the same they get the same perks they get the same size lockers they get the same pre-game meal but some kids get more playing time they get more positive uh, results of that and getting everybody to understand this is your role. If your role is a scout team player, do it to the best of your ability. Not everybody's going to play college football. Not at all. You know, I just want them to have a good experience. It doesn't mean this many minutes of playing time. This doesn't mean scoring this many touchdowns. So that is something that I see my coaches deal with, not just in football, but in all sports. You know, getting parents to understand that, you know, little Johnny's not all region. But exactly. Little Johnny's not good enough to start here. <laughs> you know, um, getting them to understand that, the, I mean, the work ethic, the work, the work requirement has been about the same. It's a lot of work. Um, and I, I enjoy that. I enjoyed that, but the dealing with that and, um, you know, really people wanting to treat high school sports like college athletics Yeah, is, is something that I'm not a big fan of. Yeah. You know, you've got 
boosters out there that want to throw money at something. Throwing money at something doesn't change. Because we said earlier, high school coaches have to work with who they got. Yep. Right. You know, there, there's no other, you know, five-star quarterback that's waiting to register in our guidance office to come take the field for us. We got to play with who we got. We had a quarterback get hurt this year. The backup quarterback's been in and has done a great job. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't get to say, you know, call somebody up from the minors to, to replace them. So, you know, those are those are bad things about coaching. Um, you know, parents, a lot of great parents. You got some crazy parents. That's oh. in teaching. That's it. You know, that's in being a classroom teacher. That's <laughs> yeah, yep. also being a coach. Um, sportsmanship is 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 a thing that I that I um, is is a thing that we have to deal with. Um, you know, we have a lot of people that yell and scream and cuss and carry on. I mean, and I want to, you know, and you have to address it. Mm -hmm. I've had several meetings with parents and said, look, if you don't, if you can't correct it, you can't come. You know, if you don't, if you, if, if you don't, if you want the position of not being able to see your kid because you can't display sportsmanship, then so sportsmanship has been an issue. Um, You know, when, when, when I started playing high school football, high school baseball, high school soccer, I never saw a police officer at a game. Yeah, I never did either. You know, we didn't have SROs, but now the violence that that exists in our society, I have an SRO at every athletic event, not necessarily to control our kids or the fans, but just to be a protection, just to be a safety for them in case somebody from the outside community, outside world wants to do harm to to people that are at at a school function. So those those are the really the 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 bad parts of the job, you know. Trying to get kids to understand their role and, and embrace it and enjoy it and and making sure and, and this is a big part of it i've been a part of programs where the players mistreat each other you know the starters hang together the guys that play and they don't pay attention to that kid you know who's over and his his job may be just to hold for the kicker during practice you don't get to hold in the games but just <laughs> to hold for the kicker yeah because that's all he can do you know but at, at cane bay you know, I see when backups are in the game, the starters aren't sitting on the bench. They are rooting and cheering and jumping up and down and just getting jacked up when backups are getting the opportunity to score or make tackles or make plays. And I also see, you know, there was a situation where I, I don't want to say, I don't know who we were playing, but the backups were in and we have the small little DB and the ball hits him in the hands and he drops a potential interception. And the kids are getting on him, but playfully getting on him, you know, caring about his success, you know. Kid got player of the week this year, <laughs> by the way. Just letting you know, yeah. and our kids love that. Yeah, they, they love it. They love it. So that's, you know, I didn't bring that to Cane Bay. That's what Coach there, and that's why we work so well together because we're, we're, we got the same mind frame of how we want to go about doing things. And it's – it's um, but on every team, every program, you got those kids that don't understand their role. And grinding through, you know, the hardest practice is a Monday after a loss. Yeah. Yeah, that is. And when we lost that game earlier this year, man, I'm just the AD. I didn't call a play, didn't call a defense. And I was out here in this garage till like 3 o'clock in the morning, just couldn't sleep because it tore me up. And that's hard for people to understand. Yeah, um, that's pretty real and straightforward. I mean, yeah, that's uh, – What do y'all hate about being assistant coaches? Well, we kind of, we kind of like. What do you dislike about it? We spoke on that. Uh, I guess was it last episode or maybe yeah. the episode before? Um, 
I'll, I'll just go ahead and say it. Just we're being honest. I hate the time commitment that assistant coaches have to bring to the table, especially football wise, man. I mean, it's a all year thing, bro. Like right now I teach at elementary school and it's not like in a contract or anything like that. But when I'm not coaching football, I like to enjoy myself, man. I'm a huge turkey hunter. I love to fish. Uh, Brian and I fish together and hunt together a little bit and try to have a good time. But good Lord, if I get off at 245 at the elementary school, I've got to be at fourth block at whatever high school I'm at. Um, and, you know, high school doesn't get out till 415, 405 now, and I'm not home till after five o'clock. And that's teaching an elementary role. And we're talking the springtime when I'm not coaching anything else. Um, summers, man. I mean, I'll just be honest with you. Four days a week when all the coworkers you're working with only work 190 days a year. I mean, that's that's big time, man. I mean, but you, you have to do it. Um, I just hate the year-round commitment. And, you know, football is one of the last glory spots of – it doesn't have to be year-round, right? Everybody says it's not year-round. But guess what great programs are doing? They're year-round, okay? Um, it may be during 9 a.m. to 4.05, but it's year-round for these kids. And it's almost like a lie we're all telling everybody, like, oh, yeah, football isn't year-round. Football is year-round. If you're not doing football year-round, let's be honest, your program's going to suffer, okay? It just is what it is nowadays. So that's one thing that I really hate about just strictly being an assistant to do it the right way. You still have to put in year round time. Um, you do. And that brings me to the financial part. Um, another thing I don't like about my role is the amount of money that we pay coaches for their time commitment. Yeah. The, the, what, what high school coaches, assistant coaches or head coaches bring to the table, the reward, the, what they help kids turn into ends up, not being rewarded financially, yeah. you know, because, and, and, and we're, we, I don't get to make that decision. Right. You know, That's we're given that. District. So we're doing a salary study and trying to increase our supplements for, our, you know, for our coaches because they do need to be rewarded for it. Yeah. You know, and you're right. Football is year round, not for just the kids, but for the coaches, you know, the fields, the grass don't quit growing, you know, during the nope. off season. Still got to be nope. cut, still got to be watered, still got to be fertilized, you know, all those things. And, uh, you know, <laughs> And in and, and Berkeley County, head coaches get 50 days, you know. So for people that don't understand, you know, your supplement is base supplement plus how many days. They think the days are for summer work. And I've run into coaches that keep count of the days that they've worked. And they're like, I'm wow. not working anymore. That's not how it works. Right. <laughs> you know, if you're getting $5,000 in 10 days, you're going to work more than 10 days. But yeah. that's just how the, the district breaks it down. But head, head coaches get 50 days, unheard of. Basketball coaches get an enormous amount of money. But baseball coaches and tennis coaches and soccer coaches get three days. And golf coaches. Yeah, golf coaches. And you do more than that. So the financial commitment, you know, we, we've got to commit more financially. And we're, you know, we're restricted to rules and laws. You know, we're, we're not in Texas where booster clubs hire <laughs> coaches right. and pay them, you know, themselves. And a lot of those coaches don't teach a class. You know, I'm looking at three teachers that teach yeah. students, you know, all day, all day long. And and that's, you know, and, and the financial reward has got to be there. Yeah. Even though you don't coach to get rich, there ain't a high school teacher that's rich, but they should not have to work second jobs, you know, um, right. to make ends meet, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, so we're going to take a quick break right All here, right. and then we're going to – we can even continue this, but we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come right back to it. All right, guys, so we're back with kind of our – not our true closing remarks yet, but to our overtime segment. So when we have a guest on, we're going to kind of treat it like overtime. We did the coin toss, and sometimes in overtime, you're not really prepared for what they're going to do. High school overtime is at the 10, correct? Starts at the 10-yard yes. line. So you don't really know what your opponent is going to do coming out. So that's what we're kind of working towards here with this overtime segment. So Coach Sweeney is about to ask us a question or two that we're not prepared for and we're going to have to answer. And and so, like, let me say, too, that this episode, we you know, we try to keep it around an hour or so. This one might go a little bit longer, but that's okay because, again, when you got a special guest on, it's okay for it to go a little bit longer. Yeah. You know, you can listen for a couple more minutes. If it you learn something or you take something from it, who cares how long yeah. it is? I, you know, whatever. I'll listen to it. I'll listen it, to it again. It's not myself. just us slap dicks on this one, okay? We've yeah. got a tried and true athletic director yeah. that's seen a lot of things, and yeah. he's at the highest level of the 5A level. So. Absolutely. All right, so Coach Sweeney, the floor is kind of yours if All you right, got so something So I got for a question us. for you. We're in overtime. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how, how, how important is it to have a great play all right, great offense. You got the best innovative offense, uh, but you don't have the kids that can run it. You know, mm-hmm. you, you got a lot of coaches that go around, they carry the same offense with them or the same defense with them. Yeah. And they try to get the kids there to mold into their offense. You know, how important is it to have an offensive scheme or a defensive scheme that you think that your kids could be successful at? Are y'all all about the scheme? Are y'all about – Well, so this is – and. Coach Sweeney obviously isn't one of our main listeners. He didn't listen yeah. to our offense versus defense yeah, podcast. Yeah. Um, he'll get there. But so Coach Fields and I kind of discussed this in our offense versus defense podcast a little bit. A little plug. And little we plug. talked about our philosophies. My philosophy is not mold my kids into what I want to do, but it's more about I'm going to try to work my offense around what I have on the on the roster sure so like again if i've got a bunch of skill guys then yeah we can spread it out a little bit and i'm gonna try to create space and get those guys the football and let them do some stuff in space but if i don't have those kind of skill guys then i'm gonna do a little i'm I'm gonna try to find something maybe it might be a tight end set or a two tight set or an h back and you know do some play action stuff some bootlegs and things like that based off of my personnel so I'm one of those people that I feel like I will try to tailor my offense around what I have at my disposal. Not necessarily, oh, I'm going to try to make this 5-1, you know, 4-7. He runs a 5-1 and he's four foot seven. He's not going to be a, a slot receiver for me. Yeah, I'm not like, asking a quarterback to throw a backside post if he can't a, throw it. Absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely not. So that's yeah. that's kind of where I stand as, as far as that goes. You know, I wasn't on that offensive – defensive podcast but i've coached defense in the past and i'm i'm right there i'm sure with both of you i want to put my guys in the best position to win the game because if you say hey my scheme works we're only going to run my scheme who are you talking about and worry about more yourself so i i want to make sure that i want to put my guys in the best place so if that means we've got to do something different and put you know learn something different do something i've never done then that's, that's what I want to do. You know, I want to be able to sit down with my staff and say, okay, this is what I've done, but I can't do that with these kids. You've been here, especially if you're new somewhere. You're talking about, well, you, well I bring my offense wherever, I take my defense wherever. If you're a new defense coordinator, 
you're going to sit there and talk to your to the guys that are there and say, hey, tell me about this guy. Tell me about this guy. I've watched the film. Tell me about him. Let's see where we can match and marry up some of what I've done where I'm at and what's been done here. Let's find the best marriage between the two. One of the best offensive line coaches I've ever been around was at Stratford where you were, Coach Tony Smith. Smith Coach, Coach Smith. Smith. Heard a lot about And him. we had an offensive coordinator there um, who's now coordinate at a 5A school. And he would draw up great plays. And you show it to Coach Smith. Coach Smith would say, can't run it, can't block it. Can't run it, can't block it. Yeah. He knew what his kids could and could not do. Yeah. You know, uh, if his kids can't block, five-step drop, then don't run it because quarterback's going to get sacked. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so that that's 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 very, very – I think that's very, very important. I've got a hot take on this one. Well, here's you know? the hot take. First hot take of the episode. Compared to what these three guys are saying, so – I'm going to come in. Let's just say we're coming in at a new school, right? And Coach Sweeney's kind of asking us, will we keep our same scheme and try to run it the way where we had success? And I feel like they've given you the right answers, but here's my hot take on this. Maybe the reason why you were hired here, 60% of that is because of the schemes that you've been known to run or you've had success at that school because you've done that. So I think you need to come in and run – the things that has made you successful. Now, if you come in and you can't adapt, that's a problem. But I think part of the reason why these guys come in and have some kind of instant success at some of these high school programs is because their schemes are sound and they work and maybe they are explosive. And that's one of the reasons why you got hired. So come in and, and bring that system in. Like it may not be, like life-changing to this high school kid, right? When it comes down to it, it may just be a little change here or there, their scheme or technique. But for the high school kids, I think it gives them a lot of confidence. Like, oh, this dude, like South Florence, for example, they've had instant success with, uh, I believe, Coach Marlowe. If I screwed up, I screwed up. We scrimmage those guys. Those guys take Dutch Forks offensive schemes and defensive schemes, and they run it at South Florence. Yes, they have a great player, blah, blah, blah. But they've had instant success. I mean, those cats, that's the best team in 4A to me. And it's because that guy's came in there and installed those schemes and made it work at that program. I'm not saying these guys are wrong. I just think you should lean on what's made you successful as a coach. But your best coaches can also adapt. If that star quarterback, can't remember his name. Sellers. Yeah, yeah. is not playing, you know, and another quarterback is in, he's not going to be able to run the same so you've got to adapt. Yeah, yeah you got to adapt. But I think basic we're, we're scheme, playing a team this week that has two different quarterbacks yeah. and it's two different offensive schemes based on two different quarterbacks. And that makes it tough to prepare for. But, yeah, I mean, you got to adapt to the kids. that You, you can't put them in a position where they can't be successful. Well, I agree that you're hired on an expectation that you're going to do things a certain way. Yeah. Like you're not just going to hire a guy and be like, oh, hopefully you figure it out. No, there's a background to you. And there's a you've done things a certain way that you've had success. Yeah. But that's not gonna. There's gonna I, be other ways. I mean, we're we're talking. You know, I'm, I'm gonna talk about Coach Brown. Coach Brown at Berkeley uh, won numerous state championships all over the state of South Carolina. Is the Shrine Bowl coach. Has had two rough seasons at at Berkeley this year, this year and last year. Um, I was there when we were shotgun, one back, inside zone, outside zone, sucker, aired it out. Four wides, we get an empty, and we had a six foot two quarterback, and we had kids that could catch it. And then we went from that year to the next 
where one of our slot receivers had to be our quarterback. We had nobody. And he couldn't sit back there in the shotgun and throw it around. So we went to the flex pump. We went to Georgia Southern. He went to the Naval Academy. I've been to Georgia Southern numerous times, and we installed the Flexman, and that caused me to learn so much about football. And then, so then he won a state championship in that offense. Years later, with Bruce Ellington, who played in the NFL, played Division I basketball at Carolina. Um, but one year, we went into thinking that we we're going to go back to the one back shotgun. And in the middle of two-a-days, now I'd switched over to the defensive side of the ball, coaching linebackers. In the middle of two-a-days, he came and said, we're changing our offense. So he spent all spring, all summer preparing for a shotgun, realized, hey, we're not very good at it. And in the middle of preseason, switched back to the flex mode because he knew that's what his kids could could and could not do. Right. So, uh, but, you know, and, 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 you know, we're talking to, you know, the, the host loves to air it out when y'all did the runner pass. Of course he said pass, you know, <laughs> I, I'm a big run first. I like to throw the ball. I do a, a lot, but, um, you know, uh, it's kids nowadays that they want to do what they see in college. They want to do what they see in the what NFL they see on TV. Yeah, yeah. What they see on TV and they want to air it out and catch touchdown passes. You gotta, you gotta trick them a little yeah, bit too. Yeah. You gotta trick kids. Seriously. Yeah. You gotta trick kids and then uh, making sure that their role is important. Yeah. You know, we had an all region um, player at came Bay this year. who's a wide receiver who probably had less than 12 or 15 catches on the season. When I remember there were games where we had kids getting that many catches in a game. Uh, but he returns punts for us, returns kicks for us, embraces his role, blocks his butt off. Plays a little corner when plays he's got corner to. when he's got yeah. to. And you know, I'm not gonna mention his name, but if he's listening, he would know who I'm talking about. Great kid. Transfer does from Texas, where they were airing it out. He's getting the ball thrown to him a bunch, but our coaches have been able to get him to understand. And he he's not a pout guy. He, you know, if he gets no catches in the game, he's good with it. You know, he just wants to win. So it's hard to get kids to understand that because even, you know, even though we say we play with what we got, you know, high school transfers is still a, still a thing. You know, yeah. kids do transfer because they're not happy with their role. Yep. So I think it's important to adapt your what you know well, you know, even front, odd front, you know, uh, know, you know how you want to play defense is very important in getting your kids to understand it, you know. And it's as simple as, you know, Brett Fields coming, changing how he coaches one position group. That's it. I've seen I've seen our defensive line get change on how they're coached, and um, he, he's basing it on what he knows and what he thinks the kids can be successful at. We're not going to put a note, you know, we're not going to play an odd front if the nose guard is getting driven off the ball into the middle linebacker. Right. You know, if you don't have a dude in there that can draw a double team, get out of the odd front. Or if you don't have enough defensive linemen, a lot of times you're going to odd front because you don't have. Four defensive linemen. You right. got to get in the odd front because that's all you got. You got right. three. You know, you got to get, you got to adapt. That's, that's a huge part of it. Coach Willis, what do you think? What do I think about what? I mean, <laughs> about changing your offense based on the kids that you got. Well, I mean, again, I mean, I, I you know, if, if there was a third answer in pass or run, I would have been like balance, you know, because honestly, that's, again, that's what I grew up playing in, in my offense in high school. And, my, I guess that's kind of where I learned to, to I guess, adapt what we do based off what you have. Because the two quarterbacks that played before me, they were 6'2", 
two, six, three could stand in the pocket and sling it around everywhere. Well, then I get up there and I'm five, nine and a half, five, ten with my helmet on. And so our, our coaches have to adapt the offense around what I could do. And it was sprint outs, bootlegs. I mean, we did still yeah. like drop back and, but it was simple reads, like sure. one read yeah. and, you know, read this guy, throw it here. So yeah, the mental part, quarterbacks, if you can't read two, just make them teach them how to read one. Exactly. Read um, half the field. Exactly. You know? And um, so, but that's, that's kind of what I did as a player. And, you know, I've learned different things. Like when we ran the football well in high school, I threw the ball well. When we didn't run the ball well, I struggled because it was pressure in my face, running for my life, things like that. So I've always been, you know, I want to run to throw. I want to throw to run. And, you know, I've learned some different things. But you can keep your same, I guess, base philosophy and add wrinkles to it sure. based off your personality. I got a question like for that. Coach Fields. Okay. Oh, All right. Would you rather defend the run or defend the pass? Uh, defend the run. Defend the run. I'd much rather, as a because I coach both sides, I'd much rather defend the run with seven than defend the pass with five. Now that's twelve, but you know, you one of your yes. guys will help defend the you know one or two. I'd much rather defend the run. Um, so what you're saying is you would rather play a team that they run and, the yes, football. And if I'm a defensive coordinator on a high school football team, I, I don't want my offense going three and out, three and out, three and out. I mean, they might score thirty-five points, but we're giving up twenty-eight playing for our lives to win the game because our defense is on the field for 25, 30 more plays than they should be because our offense won't establish a run. So I do balance, you know, um, I think every time I've ever called an offense, the very first play is going to be run. I'm going to see how physical our kids can be, how physical our running back can be, and how physical their defense is going to be. In He's not running g by the yeah. way. He would run actual power. Yeah. Back. Yeah. Power. Well, so then here's the question. Like, I feel like this is where football has changed a little bit. In the past, 20 years ago, I feel like teams were like, oh, if you're going to throw it, oh, good luck. Like, I just feel like it's shifted a little bit. Because, like, there's – so just for my own personal philosophy, my quick screen game is like a running play to me. Absolutely. Like if, if it's something we do every if I if my quarterback can't throw a, a eight yard pass to a a, a hitch or a yeah. you know a bubble or a, a a now screen or something like that like to me that's run game and it's going to go down in the books as a pass but that is part of my run game that's going to hope you know spread the box out and now I'm gonna run it again or you know I just what, what's changed the game is that, I mean thirty years ago call it H back ice. Yeah, you know, NFL when NFL there was never it was five lineman tight end wide receiver eye backfield yeah. you know yeah and that guy was your fullback or he was your slot receiver or you know yeah I mean that, that it's 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 really it, there's so much more to the game now than there was yeah absolutely well I uh, I look at the way the offenses are now like I like. I feel like years ago, like I was saying, is I feel like other teams were more worried about, okay, we have to stop the run. We're not as worried about them throwing the football on us. But now it's evolved to like, look at what Tennessee's doing. Like they space people out. They can throw it, but they're also running for 200 yards a game too. So they've made defenses kind of pick and choose. Are you going to try to stop the perimeter stuff? Are you going to try to stack yeah, the box? Yeah. And But now Georgia, what they did was they said, we're better than you up front. We're just going – 
play man free, and we're just going to come after you and hit the quarterback. And they did. And that's, 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 I mean, I would, that's, yeah. But when you got those kind of, oh, dudes, yeah, you can do that. Everybody doesn't but, have yeah. that. So, but in high school, it's not just necessarily stopping an offense or stopping a play. Yeah. Sometimes it's stopping a player. Oh, yeah. You know, I've, I've, yeah. I've seen teams scheme against us at Berkeley, running the flex mode, teams scheming against us at Cane Bay. And they, sometimes they want you to pitch the ball. Yeah. So they're going to defend the dive. They're going to defend the quarterback because they know the guy you're pitching to ain't very good. Yeah. Or they know the fullback ain't a burner, and we're we're going to play it. We're not going to squeeze because we want you to hand it off to the fullback. Yeah. We're going to tackle him for a three yard gain or two yard gain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get him second and long, third and long. You know. Sometimes it's defending the player, and you can do that a lot in high school. You know, it's hard to do that in college because they're all good. Right. You know. Right. Yeah, and if if yeah, you're that, one if you're one dimensional, yeah, like it's. You're Sometimes if you yourself. just stop a player in high school, you can win the game. Yeah. You know. Coach Fields, Coach Davis, any anything we want to finish off with or I mean, I just think I think that we need to understand that we're bringing guys on who not only know football but are just good quality characters too. I mean, whether yeah. it's going to be assistants or coordinators, head coaches or athletic director we're bringing on good people. And if you don't understand that listening for an hour, if you don't know coach Sweeney, just ask somebody about coach Sweeney. If you're in the low country or even in the Midlands level, this guy, you go anywhere with him and four people are like, Brian, Brian, coach Sweeney, Brian. I, I appreciate mean, that. He's just a great guy. And that's why we and, want to bring and him. And that, that also goes to, you know, I want to hire, you know, I hired, we hired coach there, hired Brett Fields to come to Cane Bay. Went to Cane Bay, I believe if you ask him, his goal would be like he wants to be the first alumni head coach at Cane Bay. Yeah. That's what he's working towards. Yeah. But I want to hire coaches. If somebody says Coach Fields did this, I I can feel confident in saying there's no way. Yeah. There's no way. Because sometimes you hear a coach that did something and you're like, yeah, I saw it coming. Yeah. I don't want to ever say I saw it coming with any of our assistant coaches. Yeah. So going back to the earlier questions about what qualities you see, yeah. I want to I want to be able to hire coaches. I know when they're accused of uh putting their hands on a kid, I've said there's no way. I know Brett Fields. He'd never do that. Yeah. You know. So yeah, that that that's important. That's important quality mm-hmm. of, of coaching and character and, and you know, and if I don't live that, then I can't expect our coaches at Cane Bay to live the same way. Yeah. And so uh, Again, we appreciate Coach Sweeney because I, I I can be honest. When I first moved down here, my parents lived two and a half hours away. We were playing in the lower state championship, or I think it was the COVID or hurricane year, and we got pushed yeah. to the third round. Yeah. And Coach Sweeney, two years in a row, uh, hosted me for Thanksgiving. This is non-traditional Thanksgiving. It was awesome. But you know, just reached out. I think it was the first year you were on staff with us. It was. You barely even knew me, and, and, and invited me over here. And you know, we've created a friendship that will last for forever now. And, and again, we appreciate the, like you said, the example that you have set obviously for us uh, just being around you. And hopefully when we get, you know, down the road, people will think the same thing about us. That's Absolutely. kind of a goal. So, and they do, they do, they do. Yeah. I mean, um, they're my dream staff includes the people at this table. <laughs> I mean, I mean, well, when I first met you, know, but in, in education, you got to have teaching spots and yes. all that, Yeah, you know, um, you know, having guys that you trust, having guys that, you know, going to do things the right way makes, makes life a whole lot easier. Yeah. Well, my first experience with, he was on the baseball field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's not just, he wasn't just a football coach. He was a baseball guy too. Now oh, yeah. he was around yeah, the baseball field and, yeah. and, you know, I was 
the JV head coach at Stratford at the time. And I mean, you and I met and we were talking like I'd known you the whole time just because the relationship you and Coach Willis had. And Coach Willis and I, we go back. And so, and we play in the member member. And yeah, we play, well, that's right. We've been and, on the golf course a few yeah, times. So, that's right. You know, it's been yeah, guys that you can, you know, decompress with, you know. My, my principal at Cane Bay always asked this question of every interview. Teaching, coaching is highly stressful, time commitment. What do you do to decompress? Uh, turkey hunted with him, fished with him, fished with him, played golf with him, golf with him, playing the member, member with him, coach baseball games against each other, yeah. win, lose, still walk across, shake hands, talk before the game, best friends, want to beat your tail during the game. Yeah. But after the game, still good friends. That's right. Yeah. And that's what coaching is. Coaching is being able to not hate the person across the uh, – yeah, across the uh, sideline from you, you know. Yeah, and that's honestly that's what we're trying to build with the YCA young coaches. I mean, it's the Young Coaches Association, but everyone was a young coach at some point. We're not Absolutely. just going to have young people on the yeah. on the podcast. I mean, you know, you got to start somewhere, and, and this kind of we want to encourage people to get into the profession, but we want to have people that have done the things like that you've done that you can share with people to help them, and that's that's what this is for. And, and I, you know, I got to thank Randy Robinson too. Um, you know, he. Coached at Berkeley right when I first started. We taught together. Mm. I didn't coach with him. He left, went to the upstate, comes back and is the head coach and allows an assistant principal at St. Stephen Middle to come on staff to coach football. And that's how the, that's how we even know each other because yeah. I don't know yeah. y'all. I don't meet yeah, Stephen. Absolutely. You don't know me He's yet. just the assistant coach at Stratford. We're not playing right. golf together, hanging out. Right. Yeah. Um, so because of Coach Rob allowing me to come back, and I mean, I had the best of both worlds. I mean, I went into administration be able to make a little bit more money, but being able to coach as well, it was a huge bonus for me. And I remember how it came about coach Cantrell, you know, I coached him and just said, Hey man, if you don't mind, I'd love to go in the box and help you. You know, I'll tell you what the defense is in and that turned into, Hey, come coach. Yeah. And it just, it just worked out. And I, I that I had so much fun during those years and learned so much about the passing game from, from coach Willis. But the first game I'm calling, the JV offense. <laughs> He's on the headset with me. Run this, run this. I had to take the headset off. You know, I had to take it off. Uh, fun times, fun times. It was, it was. And uh, it'll, get, it'll get back to that. Um, the Berkeley staff will grind and, you know, get back to, you know, winning. And and um, I'd love for the region championship every year to be decided in either Monk's Corner or Cane Bay High School. Yeah, that, yeah. those are fun games for sure. Yeah, yeah definitely. Wasn't, it wasn't so much this year no. you know, or last year, but, yeah, I mean, no. I remember Trey Robinson when I was coaching at Berkeley blocking the field goal or extra point, you know, mm-hmm. and rainy, cold, and it, it was fun. Coaching is yeah. fun, man. That, that's, yeah. that's, the, that's the bottom line. Young Coaches Association, this podcast, it's all about promoting the profession uh, because this profession is a very important profession. Mm-hmm. and you're not very well paid. Um, so the rewards come in having fun, yeah. you know, having fun and, and changing kids' lives. Yep. You know, the, I get more excited when I look on social media and I see high school coaches at college players' games Yes. and taking pictures after the game, and it's just them showing their gratitude. Thanks for coming to watch me play. Right? Yep. No. Well, so we probably – got to a situation where we're going to close it out here. You guys got any one last thought, word, con- encouragement? Just just appreciate Coach Phil, uh, Coach Sweeney being here. Yeah, me too. You know, and Coach Phil's being here too. Yeah. You know, just appreciate the friendships again. You talk about it's, it's fun. 
we have genuine friendships in our group and we've all coached at different schools. And one now, now, you know, y'all were all at the same school. Now you're all at different schools. So we've never, I've never coached. You and with I've you. never been on the same staff. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but it's a gen. Have you, you been can, on this? You haven't been on the same staff with either no, of them. Either. Yeah. Either of them no. But the genuine friendships are there and it, and it needs to stay that way. You talk, you, you hit on the sportsmanship. Yeah. You know, last thing that the coaches need are, is for that to breed through the coaching staffs too. To where you you don't want to be around yeah. you other know, coaches. So you know, I'm looking at you, Stephen, and what I love about coaching football is you know opposite sidelines want to beat your tail so bad and being friends afterwards. That's what makes coaching what it is. It's yeah. it's, it's the competing. It's the blood getting your blood going. But I will say that I've never lost. To a Coach, <laughs> Coach Davis led JV Stratford uh, football team. No, there it is. is. We do a hail mary. Coach Willis has. We do a hail mary at Berkeley to win the game. That and that's that was uh, protested. I think there was some time that should have ran off the clock there. But. but that yeah, that's what makes coaching fun, man. That's what makes it fun. I mean, earlier y'all don't know it on the podcast, but Coach Cantrell just came by and he's coaching at Berkeley, uh, Berkeley grad and and. Um, as a quarterbacks coach, and you, know, yep. you got Cane Bay represented here. You got Berkeley represented here. Cane Bay, Timberland now, and was at Stratford. You know that that's what it's about. It's about yep. wanting to beat your friend off the field, but then still going hunting, fishing with them. You know afterwards. So that's what makes coaching, you know, great. Yep, it's been a blast. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up there. So again, coach, we appreciate you. I've Let- enjoyed it, guys. I. Th- I this has been a blast. Today. Yeah, and and for hosting us, we are in yeah. the in the Cobra Den here. So, yeah. you know, we're getting ready. If anybody needs somewhere to go for Thanksgiving, I'm I'm inviting you to Coach Sweeney's house. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> All right, fellas, we're gonna wrap this thing up, and uh, we appreciate it, and we're gonna clock this thing out. All right, that's all we've got for today's episode of the YCA Podcast. Thanks for listening, and make sure you go to Spotify and hit that subscribe button. Also, be sure to check us out on Twitter at YCA underscore podcast. Follow, like, retweet, and share the YCA Podcast, and feel free to send questions or content ideas you'd like to be covered in the future. Thanks again for listening. This is Cam Willis signing off. Until next time, see you.